You're listening to Fitness Beyond Aesthetics. I'm your host, Estelle, and I'm super happy that you're tuning in today. I'm a certified personal trainer and life coach whose life within the health and fitness world has been pretty all over the place. So no matter where you are within your fitness journey, I can probably relate to it on some level. I know that fitness is for you and that you have a valued place in this world. I've had my fair share of ups and downs, insecurities, and honestly feeling like an outcast from exercise and fitness. Little did I know that I'd actually become a leader within this space and help women from all walks of life gain confidence, find freedom and understanding, and feel at home within the fitness world. In this podcast, my goal is to help you fall in love with exercise, become amazed by yourself, create healthy lifestyle changes, and break down that confusing gym and lifting stuff so that you can feel welcome and at home within the fitness world. Everyone is welcome here. Let's get started. All right. Welcome to another episode of Fitness Beyond Aesthetics. It is nice and sunny today. I have so much energy and I am so excited to chat with my friend Megan here. If you guys have been listening to FBA for a while, you've definitely tuned in to other episodes with Megan. Like we're probably going to have a million more to come because we just have such great conversations today and we're just going to cut straight to the ch- straight to the chase. We are going to be talking about pro metabolic weight gain today. Like who here? I mean, I'm guessing a lot of my listeners know what pro metabolic is, have an idea of it, um or are doing it and have put on weight and it's like, "Wait, what? I thought this was going to speed up my metabolism. <laughs> Why am I not gaining weight?" So we're going to be talking about basically what is metabolism, what affects metabolism, what is pro-metabolic, um, what do people think pro-metabolic is, how do they treat it, um, bum, bum, bum. We're going to be talking about what causes the weight gain and also spending a bit of time talking about how to better approach you know, macro tracking, reverse dieting, um, building muscle, um, your mindset, because your mindset is definitely going to have to shift when mm-hmm. you, um, you know, enter a new way of eating, new lifestyle, um, and also finding a balance between these kind of rules per se within the pro metabolic space and also principles and freedom. Um, so with all of that said, welcome to the show, Megan. Do you want to just give people like a little bit of an overview for anyone who is just kind of new here, maybe just randomly picked this episode to listen to. Can you just like introduce yourself a little bit and talk about what you do? Sure thing. Uh, Thanks for having me. I am a fitness and nutrition educator. I've been in the field for nearly 20 years. I've recently stepped back from coaching, but I still show up and make content and all my stories and like to do podcast interviews like this and share about my experiences and all I've learned from my own pitfalls and struggles and try to just help women cut to the chase, right? And stop Mm -hmm. falling for diet culture nonsense. And that's really what we're going to touch on today here too, is where pro-metabolic can fall into, if we name it, then what happens to it when it turns into a diet or the Mm -hmm. fact that it seems like people have tried to turn it into some entity to blame. Mm -hmm. Pro-metabolic is now like an entity itself. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I don't think that's true, you know? So But my background is I have always been passionate about movement and fitness. I did ballet, tap, and jazz, and horseback riding and stuff like that growing up in Virginia and pursued circus and hula hooping in college and became a personal trainer in college as well. And that was most of my career. And then I met my husband who's military in the Army, and we have lived in Japan and then New York, and then we just moved to Virginia. And so I'm recalibrating how I want to show up in the fitness space. Because it is really, it's a burden to be in the fitness space when you look at, you and I both relate to this with how much nonsense and um, marketing tactics are really harmful. And so it's just like mm-hmm. a really difficult space to show up in knowing that I'm not going to market myself by showing my abs and my butt or before and after photos and some of these things that are really problematic and continue to keep the focus on weight and body appearance and health and fitness and happiness are so much more than that. And you and I both know Mm -hmm. that. So that's my background is I have got into bodybuilding. You and I talked about that in a podcast and body dysmorphia and eating disorders. And I have, I don't think you're ever fully healed from any of that, but I've 
come a long ways from where I was. And I just try to help women see some of the dangers in this. And you and I both relate to a lot of the mindset and psychology stuff. So I'm really excited for this conversation, addressing the elephant in the room, pro-metabolic and weight gain, and how it's so important to understand the difference between what this community is addressing and trying to teach with its principles Mm -hmm. compared to what else we see in the fitness and online Instagram world. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's just get straight into this. I want to start this off for anyone listening to this who is a little bit confused as to what metabolism is, because I know up until maybe mm, four years ago, I thought metabolism, I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I was like, oh, it's how fast you burn calories. You know, if someone has a fast metabolism, they burn calories really fast. They can eat more. If they have a slow metabolism, they have to eat less. Da, 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 da. And I was like, oh, I have such a slow metabolism, blah, blah, blah. But can you tell me what is the metabolism? Like, what is it? Where is it? <laughs> like, I don't think a lot of people understand this concept and the metabolism isn't a specific thing in your body. It's actually how all of these processes in your body work together to convert energy. So does it convert it well? Does it convert it efficiently? Is it, That would be a healthy, robust metabolism. A metabolism that does not convert, convert energy efficiently um, would not be such a healthy metabolism. It would have, a, you know, maybe uh, the cell wouldn't be as good at um, accepting glucose for energy, sorts of things like that. And so when we have metabolic issues like, um, you know, diabetes, uh, even Alzheimer's, um, things like that. These are all metabolic conditions, starting with the metabolism. And this has to do with how the body functions. Um, so the metabolism is not just how fast you burn calories. <laughs> it is how effectively your body converts energy, essentially. And energy is needed for everything in your body, right? So you can almost think of it as how well does your body function? Do you want to add anything to that, Megan? I was trying to like super yeah. simplify it. Yeah, it comes down to, I think this word people will remember from basic biology is the mitochondria. They're the powerhouse of the cell. And so mitochondrial health is definitely a trending thing. And mm-hmm. where that's why circadian rhythm and gut health is becoming more uh, a, on the radar for comprehensive holistic approaches to lifestyle and even fitness is looking at all these systems are connected. And Mm -hmm. so it does come down to how the body creates and makes energy is going to be a cellular health, mitochondria health Mm -hmm. and where, and that's a lot of like pro metabolic means supporting of the metabolism. So that I think is the root intention of Mm -hmm. this so-called community or space of professionals that, that study Dr. Ray Pete study Broda Barnes I think are two of the biggest doctors uh, that people pick. Oh, also more, uh, what's the iron guy? Moral, Maury Robbins, I think. I'm forgetting the copper iron guy, but I haven't read his work, but some people read his work. So anyways, I think it's just really interesting how they're trying to grasp the basic concepts of physiology, mitochondrial health, how the body processes energy and how we can look at where these systems run down And it really comes down to a lot of thyroid and adrenal dysfunction Mm -hmm. because of stress, right? So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of goodness coming from these concepts and principles, but like everything, it can be hyper-focused and fear-driven and can become pitfalls. Right. Yes. Yes. Thank you for that addition. Um, Okay. So now that we kind of have an idea of what metabolism is, let's talk about what affects metabolism. This is a massive topic. And we could probably talk about it for hours. There's a bazillion papers on stuff that, you know, affects metabolism, but we're going to keep it as simple as we can. Um, Why don't you head this off? What affects metabolism in a fitness, sorry, not a fitness, um, nutrition kind of way? Well, most importantly, what wears us down metabolically is going to be the chronic stress that we're all under, Mm -hmm. whether that's physical and emotional and dietary. So the stress itself is going to contribute to metabolic adaptation. So the body is efficiently lazy. It's always trying to find the simplest and most effective way to keep you alive. Mm-hmm. And so when stressors and environmental factors change, the body is just a rock star at adapting. And that's normal. 
Uh, and it's just, and that's why we can see reproduction hormones take a strong hit because that gets pushed off. And that's why we can see mm-hmm. fertility hormones alter. Uh, so that's really the biggest thing, but that affects our metabolism is stress, whether that's mm-hmm. at work, long hours, lack of sunlight, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of stuff we see in our westernized hustle culture. Right. And, but then think- we also have toxins, right. And the food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in like the plastics and the way that we're heating them and if they're microwaves. So I think there's just a lot of different factors and variables to what you're exposed to and how you live mm-hmm. and what that's going to negatively or positively impact your metabolic function. Right. I think that's a really good point you brought up is like, it's just stress, but like, we don't always understand what stress is and where stressors come from. Um, so I always tell people stress isn't just like, oh no, I'm so stressed out. You know, that is stress. But like stress is, you know, not waking up at a regular regular time in the morning. You know, stress is going to bed super late at night. Stress is, you know, staring at a blue light like we're doing right now. <laughs> like unless you have a filter. <laughs> nope. Stress is doing things that don't make you happy. You know, it, it, stress can really come from so many different areas. And there's different kinds of stress. There's distress, which really has no benefit. And there's eustress, where your body can grow from it. Like where you, you know, exercise in a conscious way in an effective way we're you know like building muscle um it, it is a stressor but it's a use stress your body grows from it so um that's kind of yeah in a nutshell what metabol how metabolism is affected um is just by stress you know like think about how if we were to live like in a perfect world you know like oh we didn't have these microplastics and there was no emfs and you know like everything was like great if the closer we get to that, the less our metabolism will be negatively effective. Of course, we can't do that in this modern world that we live in, but there are things that we can do. I think the main concept is that we've got a bucket Mm -hmm. of capacity that we can hold of stress. Mm -hmm. We cannot avoid stress. Stress is actually really good for us and we want to work on resiliency, the ability to respond well to stress. But mm-hmm. if we're nutritionally deficient, then we're going to be more sensitive. Like if you're calcium deficient and some of those minerals, then you're more irritable and more reactive. And it's just really an uphill battle to try to just regulate your nervous system if you don't have the minerals, the spark plugs in order to regulate it, right? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of very complex nuances there for sure. So, you know, so, so in helpful tips is like what in your life is available that you can cut loose to create more capacity for your stress bucket. And not all stress is bad. Like you said, Mm -hmm. uh, I just moved an interstate move. It was massively exhausting, insanely stressful, uh, but really good stress because there's a massive benefit to it. And so that's why we have to really understand how we think about stress. Like if I'm stressed out and then I stress out about being stressed out, bad news bears. So that's like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not going to be helpful. So some of the most simplest and easy to do right now, starting today is noticing your mindset about stress and how you Mm -hmm. think about being stressed Mm -hmm. and, and then witnessing what are my stress coping mechanisms? Is it scrolling on Instagram and numbing myself and not beating yourself up or judging yourself, but just starting to witness and reflect and create awareness around your behaviors is always step one, right? And that I think is the easiest thing we can all do is our mindset around stress. And then there's likely one or two things we could shift in our life to stop overloading that stress bucket. Right. And I think I see this a lot when people switch to a pro-metabolic way of eating instead, uh, like from like, let's say like keto or paleo or vegan or whatever, something with like super strict obsessive rules. And then they switch to pro-metabolic and it's like, I can't have any poofas. And then they go out to eat and it's like, oh crap, like what am I going to eat? And it's like this huge stress over like what they're going to eat at the restaurant. Like, hey, what was this, was this cooked in? Like, are the vegetables thoroughly cooked? Like, that's being stressed about being stressed. <laughs> like, there's nothing you can do about it now. Go out, enjoy your food. Don't worry about it. And if you were to do that, like every single meal of every day, that's a different story, you know. But like, just fi- finding a balance here can be really difficult when coming from 
a previously very strict way of eating. Um, and this is not what the intention of pro-metabolic is. Pro-metabolic is really just, it, it's not, it's not another diet. You know, it's not another keto. It's not another carnivore or vegan or whatever. It's more of taking principles, learning how our body works metabolically, and then finding ways that we can practically incorporate that into our lifestyle. That's how I see it as. What do you see pro-metabolic as? I see it exactly like that because I found myself at rock bottom knowing that I needed to make some serious shifts because I wanted to have my libido back. I wanted to improve my thyroid function. So that's how I knew that, wow, I knew a lot about some things, but I didn't know a lot about the endocrine system mm -hmm. and how the oat axis, the ovaries and adrenals and thyroid, there was so much I did not understand. And so that was really humbling. And so I think that that's the benefit of what this community is trying to offer. And like I said, pro-metabolic is not an entity to blame. And what you said, it's not a diet that's going to provide restriction and rules like, like people are used to, Whole30, vegan, keto, carnivore, all those have rules and rigidity and structure. And that can actually really help some people, especially type A personalities, feel like they're on a path that's mm -hmm. going to provide progress for them. And that's a really hard and difficult thing for them to do, to take off those like you know, if you're bowling, like those bumpers, you're so used mm -hmm. to the rigidity of the bumpers or your training wheels on your bike that you don't really know how to go without those. So I think that's mm -hmm. really fair to acknowledge that. Um, but this, you know, pro-metabolic is just a community of individuals that are emphasizing these concepts that are like replenishing your minerals with nutrient dense foods. And that's coming back to the mitochondrial health. So the foods that we eat and the nutrition that's in them can be really helpful. But also what we were going to talk about later is gut health and the ability to digest and, and, and absorb and assimilate those nutrients are super important because you could be eating mm -hmm all the liver and all the adrenal cocktails or whatever you need. But if your digestive system is negatively uh, not working well, then you're not going to be able to really understand how your cells uptaking that. But that's, mm -hmm. that's really what's so important about this community is what it's teaching us. But the pitfalls are we all have a different metabolic identity depending on our past and our current behaviors. So without proper context and nuance to your own individual situation to apply this information that's coming at you, it's really easy to end up doing too much or too fat, too much, too fast mm -hmm. and end up in a reverse diet without even actually maybe intending to. And that's really some of the stuff we wanted to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of going back to that point about having the rules, I think that, you know, if someone's coming from a previously very strict way of eating and then it's like just throwing caution to the wind, like, oh, do whatever you want eat what however you want like that's that's going to be stressful in itself and you're not probably going to make the best choices because like we've talked about before you have to earn your right to diet yeah <laughs> you and have so to earn, you... earn your right to eat intuitively as well like right. if you've been suppressing your intuition all these years what makes you think that all of a sudden you're going to be so in tune with it that whatever in the world you want to eat is going to be the right thing it doesn't work like that you know or when so, you're in or when you're in a um stressed out situation, the scale went up, your clothes don't fit. Mm -hmm. Then if you're intuitively eating it's and, and you don't have a, a real solid understanding and foundation of what that is, it's so easy to go into a knee jerk reaction and mm -hmm. fall right back in to those restrictive or maybe disordered behaviors. When mm -hmm. we've never let ourselves be intuitive, we don't know how to be intuitive, mm -hmm. then it's really easy to fall back into our own ways, especially right. if you're not working with a professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I know for myself, because I used to have very extreme food rules pre um, pro metabolic, I didn't even know, like when I started like pro metabolic eating, I didn't even know it was called anything. I was just like, oh, like I'm just learning what's good for my body. Like I, it didn't, I mean, I guess it had a name, but I wasn't aware of that. Like it wasn't so much a thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't <laughs> think I it started. was either. Yeah. 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 I think and, it, I mean, it was called fully nourished was the course I took. So really mm. like Jessica, Jessica Ash was pushing like nourishment, but it definitely didn't have that title. I don't think. Yeah. 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 And, um, 
I know that there were some rules that I had. And I think that those served me for a time. And I still know those things. Like I would limit grains. I think I had grains like two times a week. Um, I would cook all my vegetables except carrots, like, <laughs> and maybe beets sometimes. And that served me for a time. You know, and I'm not saying everyone needs to use these rules, um, you know, whatever works for you. But I think like that kind of served me in transition, you know, going from like these rules to like having a handful of things that I would follow. And now I like I kind of understand the place of those, but it's not guiding my life, you know. Um, and I think this this brings in, um, you know, as we just mentioned, like there there is danger in naming something because then it becomes almost like I think I don't know. I was looking through our notes. You, you said like cult like. <laughs> like this cult-like mentality where it becomes like a way of life. And if you don't do exactly these things, then X negative consequence is going to happen. And that's so not true. And then it becomes a stressor in itself. It becomes a fad. It becomes a trend. And that like life isn't a fad. Life isn't a trend. You know, life was meant for enjoyment and happiness and loving. And when you give something a name, like that's when I think yeah, I really feel like when, because like I was saying, I'm just like kind of realizing this now. When I started, quote, pro-metabolic eating, I didn't, it wasn't really named anything. And then gradually over time, it started developing this name and I started noticing things to become more extreme and people treating it like another keto, like another vegan, like another whatever. Um, and, and when people started blaming it for things, like you said, like an entity. Yeah, it's uh it's really interesting to notice how that works. And I think that is typical how the human brain works and dichotomies, dividing things like in black and white, rigidities. Mm -hmm. Um it's helping us kind of process and choose what camp we're in. You know, um, I think that's just a sign of the culture we're in. I mean, I saw I thought it was sad that everyone who posted about have a great mother's day then felt the need to also share a disclaimer. Like, if you're struggling, then, like, I'm sorry that I'm celebrating. Like, no, dog. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not okay with that. Like, it's, mm -hmm. like, I know people, you know what I mean? Like, I just find that really sad that we're, I mean, I ate uh, blue corn chips on Mother's Day brunch, and I made a joke. So that definitely has poofas in it. And I try to avoid them, right? But mm -hmm. I also enjoyed them. And I made a joke, like, yes, I'm eating poofas and aware yeah. of it. So just funny that as content creators, we have to put disclaimers on there. So that rigidity it's just up to the individual to understand we live in a culture where we're going to have the most amount of information we've ever had at our fingertips before. And that's a blessing or it's a curse, depending on how you're able to handle it. And knowledge doesn't really mean anything until you can apply it to your life. So be really mm -hmm. careful because if you're just consuming, 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 saving, saving, saving all these posts, screenshot, 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 but you're not actually applying them. And mm -hmm. that's, I think, why what you're offering with this habit transformation is so important because there's, you know, so much more depth in the psychology that's needed with what pro-metabolic is really touching on. And that's why as a coach, I actually enrolled and took more psychology corrective or like education, continuing education, because I was like, holy banoli, if I'm going to try to tell my clients that we're actually, if you want to lose weight, you're going to have to eat more food to get mm -hmm. there. I'm going to have to understand psychology quite a bit. So that's really what we want to touch on today too, is the important mindset shifts and the journal work and mm -hmm. the introspection that's really required when you commit to balancing your hormones, to improving mm -hmm. your fertility, to improving your thyroid health, because that likely might mean weight gain. And there's mm -hmm. many accounts I can, I can think of too, and I'm not name dropping, but there's accounts that are doing a disservice by saying you don't have to gain weight. Mm. that's not fair because you don't know people's situations. So then you make them feel like it's their fault if they did. Mm -hmm. So I think healing pounds are an acceptable and okay thing if mm -hmm. you're coming from extremes. And I think accepting of that is really important and not being fat phobic. I think pro-metabolic space has a huge fat phobic issue. And I think mm -hmm. that's like, there's some deep work that needs to happen in this community um, because the sphere of weight gain is what we left diet culture for. Mm -hmm. So how is it seeping back in? Yeah. It's because it's been ingrained in us, like ingrained. <laughs> like, and that's I, what I, I mean by you've got to sit down with a pen and pad and do some deep soul yeah. digging because this is some deep stuff that we've got to, you know, tease out ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I think when you're a content creator and you're marketing, that's why people tend to go towards these fear tactics because uh, when it's an emotional hit, um, when you're feeling emotional, whether you're blaming pro-metabolic for your weight gain or you're feeling emotional because your health is out of your control, you're an easy target to sell you something. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what you've got to be careful of too, of why accounts might be spinning the drama and yes. sharing all the DMs of all these people complaining about all be like, I just be careful out there. Y'all mm-hmm. be careful out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I always like to ask people this question or even just have them ask themselves, like, you don't have to tell me the answer, but when was the first time you had a negative thought about your body or had a thought that you might want to change your body um, or had a thought about your body? You know, like when was that? Because there's always like, the, I'm not like an expert in child mental development, um, but I know that there is a process and there is a general time frame where we become more self-aware of ourselves physically. And I know that I was eight years old. I know the specific memory of when I thought, oh, I don't like that. I was looking in the mirror. Usually I would always look at myself straight from the front. You know, like I never thought about looking at different angles. Like what kid does that, you know? And um, I decided to look at myself from the side. And I was like, I remember being like, oh my goodness. I didn't know I looked like that at eight. And I think it's happening even earlier now, you know? And I immediately, and I know that the it didn't start at eight. It started before eight. And the reason I know is because I had an immediate negative thought. If my thought was neutral, that's different. I'd be like, oh, okay, there's my body. That's what I look like. But it wasn't a neutral feeling. It wasn't a neutral thought. And so it's starting very, very early. Um, I don't even remember what, where, where I was going with this, but... <laughs> Oh yeah, just the, just the point that like it is so ingrained in us. Like we don't even have a recollection of when this really started. And so the fact that you feel this desire to change your body, I I don't think it's unnatural, you know. Um and I, I don't think it's wrong. Um but the extreme that it's been taken to is what is not okay. And just like you were saying, Oh, there are accounts. I I I believe that like many people have good intentions and I fully apologize for having done this in the past because, you know, I've told to do it essentially, um, is using fear-based tactics. You know, like like when you when you look at a post, how does it make you feel? Does it make you feel good and inspired or scared and inspired? Like motivated. Because people say like, oh, I'm so motivated to change now. Like like motivated for good because you see like all these positive like a positive result or because you feel like trash about yourself like where is this coming from and who made you feel that way so when you're viewing this content is it because you want a better life or because you hate your life now or hate your body now I should say that's a really extreme feeling but people really do feel that way you know so really trying to be aware of the intention behind the creator's content um, will help you to weed through who is sincere and who is just after your money. Yeah. 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 And it's difficult uh, to do out there. And I've hired and fired several coaches within this community, we could say. So do we want to kick off, um, where do we want to go with this? Talk about some of the reasons why people have gained weight in yeah. the pro-metabolic community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think these yeah. are really important, guys. So tune, tune, sit down, get a notepad. Uh, we're going to talk about quite a bit. Um, but the number, the, the most popular thing that has been talked about, about why people gain weight in pro-metabolic is called the Randall cycle. And that's meaning when you're consuming high fat and high carbs at the same time, I am going to address that, but I don't think that's actually one of the main reasons why we're seeing weight gains. So I think that's really unfair to say. Number one, this concept of reverse dieting or eating to nourish has grown in popularity, just in the pro-metabolic space, but all across the fitness and nutrition community, which is really good at some point. But the number one thing I think we really need to look at first is are we looking at a situation with improper tracking or inconsistent food log utilization? Are you actually under eating? Number one, because mm-hmm. you could be, you could be just skipping meals and have, you could just need more structure with your meals. You mm-hmm. could be really sporadic with your calories. Like I just, 
we don't ever like a lot of these posts that are telling me you're under eating and all these symptoms of under eating these are very generalized so it's really important that we just have accurate data on what you are consuming and how often you're doing before we label it as under eating or not working for you mm -hmm. because if we have improper data then that's going to lead to improper judgment and we're going to make decisions on that and that's potentially wrong information so fun fact one study and if you want to look at it i can dm you on instagram showed with dietitians themselves like professional food folks underreported their calories by over 300. So even professionals can underreport their intake. This is normal. Don't beat yourself up. And I have a whole post on food tracking and macros series that's coming. I'm really excited about it because even with these inconsistencies and inaccuracies that I'm about to go over, I don't want you to just feel discouraged because there's still data that self-monitoring these behaviors will benefit you regardless of some of these errors. But we just want to make sure, are you actually under eating? And how we are the main problems that I see with tracking, because macro tracking is a skill, right? Mm -hmm. And it's learned over time. And with practice, your accuracy and your efficiency will really improve. So I don't want to discourage anybody with this. Um, but generic entries when you're submitting, like when you're looking up your food, like I just ate uh, brown rice or chicken breast. If it's a generic entry that was entered by a user, an app that, uh, that's using the app, it might be incorrect. So I mm -hmm. know this because I have a degree in nutrition. So I'll click on a chicken breast and the macros are all wacko. And I'm like, that's not right. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know, then you don't know. And so it's really important to look for like the check mark, make sure it's actual accurate in entries. And you can also scan the barcodes of your food volume versus weight. A lot of people will use like cups and spoons, which is pretty good if you're new to measuring food. I'm not going to be a hater on that. I did a bodybuilding competition with that method. And hey, I, I want a trophy, not first place. So I don't think it's completely off, but the most accurate will be using a food scale. And so you might be inaccurately tracking if you're using some of those volume versus a weight on the scale. Mm -hmm. Three other things is this is just awful that my fitness pal does this they add the calories back in after you exercise i don't know why my fitness pal does that is it, it is a setting that you mm -hmm. can turn off and so just dive into your app make sure you can turn that off because it's just going to mm -hmm. misguide you and forgetting to track in general like winging it is just not you've got to build the awareness and understanding of carbs, proteins, and fat. So if you have no idea what you're eating and how much you're eating, this is why food tracking is important. And it's just like training wheels that you and I, as coaches, we want to get those training wheels off you. We do not mm -hmm. want you living in my fitness pal for the rest of your life. No way, Jose. But I, you know, just the other day I was like, I bet that's 119 grams of chicken. And Patrick was like, let's weigh it. And it was like one gram off. I literally danced around the kitchen. Because you train your eyeballs and then yeah. you don't have to weigh it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So I just want to stress that so much, guys, that it's not about being obsessive. We're, we're talking about the opposite of that. But some people really gain a lot of mm -hmm. knowledge by tracking. And so forgetting to track is not going to help you with understanding, am I actually under eating or not? Because you're not having any data on the subject. Mm -hmm. And lastly, forgetting the extras, coffee creamer, condiments, the oil you're cooking in your pan, that does count, please add that. Sweeteners can easily add up. And then the last thing, me and you have definitely talked about this quite a bit, is a huge error is people are using calculators to predict what their maintenance calories are mm. versus mm -hmm. finding true maintenance calories, which is going to incorporate many factors like your current exercise, your current meat, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, food quality. So that because thermo, the thermic effect of food protein, eating more protein can, and, and, you know, really increase your metabolism, I guess you could say, uh, diet history, hormones, and your GI health and inflammation, all of those things can really make a big difference on what your maintenance calories are. And so if you're just Googling it, you might be overshooting that quite a bit. So that's that I just talked a lot. That was a lot. And that's just number one of why people can gain mm. weight in the pro metabolic space. Um, but do you want to add anything to that? Because the other ones aren't nearly as intense. Okay. Yeah. Which is one thing. I mean, not yeah. really like adding information, but more so application. So if you were someone listening to this and you're like tracking sounds like so much work, like I can't do that. Track for three days. 
track for three days, track for like two week days and one weekend day. So the concept here is to track for like a couple regular days of eating and then like maybe possibly one more irregular day of eating to kind of get an idea of how you are eating, you know, because like Megan was saying, sometimes we just have no clue. Like, like Megan was saying, um, you know, like she, she was like, I bet that's 119 grams of chicken like right there or protein. And it like, it was, <laughs> you know, and I kind of do the same thing now because I, I used to track obsessively, like weighing my greens, like who weighs their greens, <laughs> you know? So oh, now I hear you like, I, me too. I get it. Like I can look at something and be like, mm, yeah, that's about, um, you know, that's about four ounces of meat, you know, like, like you can just like kind of have an idea. You might be like, like, a quarter of an ounce off, but you pretty much know what it is because you tracked for so long and we have to have a starting point. So in order to know what you need to adjust, you need to know where you are. So this is this tracking is not to control you. It's to take in information. So instead of seeing it as like, oh, no, I need to hit all these macros. No, we just want to know what you're eating. That's it. You just want to like, are you eating like super high fat or are you eating low protein? Like, where are your carbs coming from? It's just to gather information. And then once we have that, now you know, like, oh, maybe I can incorporate just some more lean meats here and there. Maybe I could, you just have an idea of where you can go. So that's really the purpose of it. We don't want you to be 80 years old and counting your calories and macros like that's not a way to live but we just want to know where we are so the two so the other reasons why i think reverse dieting or eating to nourish and adding more food back in can be potentially problematic advice depending on where you are and so just to circle back around guys every one of us has a different metabolic identity depending on where we were depending on what we're currently doing and when we're just reading posts on Instagram or doing a course that might be really well thought out, really well designed, it's not taking in my own metabolic set point, my own bio individuality. And so in short, if you have a history of restrictive eating or a compromised digestive system and a low metabolic rate, and you start eating more calories, this will cause unwanted weight gain. And so this has to be like, there's no one to blame, not even yourself, because you didn't understand what was happening. So there's just, I love what we're going to talk about later too, is this commitment to what you're actually signing up for when you engage in pro-metabolic mm -hmm. eating. So two things of when we're in a high stressed out state, we can see cortisol induced insulin resistance and insulin resistance and everyone hyping on the adrenal cocktail and drinking orange juice is all and the sourdough the bread. Right. And so <laughs> that, you know, they're not wrong, right? So chronic stress causes cortisol dysregulation. We see HPA axis is staying activated, right? So normally if you're not super overloaded and your APA axis is functioning fine, you have no issues with insulin entering the cell. But when you have insulin resistance, your cells are not normally responding to the insulin and glucose. And that's why if you're eating orange juice, drinking, I guess, or eating sourdough bread and bombarding your cells with glucose and your body can't process either insulin or glucose, then it's going to cause unwanted weight gain and particularly around the midsection. That's something that I dealt with is cortisol induced insulin resistance. And that I think contributed to my weight gain as well. But why we see that is we'll see a de decreased glucose uptake by the muscle. This is a, so wait, let me rephrase that. This cortisol induced insulin resistant is a byproduct of these things. So the muscles having a harder time uptaking glucose. This is why Estelle stresses strength training. It is so important. If you are having blood sugar issues, you need to be buying like Estelle's products. The end. Number two, increased muscle protein breakdown. So when we're not able to process the sugar, then our bodies aren't getting the energy we need. So then we're going into gluconeogenesis and breaking down our muscle mass. And so it's, it's like the opposite of what you want. Mm -hmm. And then we'll see increased systematic triglycerides. So that's why when people are pulling their labs, they'll have high triglycerides. Their cholesterols might be off, but that's also thyroid dysfunction contributing to that. And um, we'll see the visceral fat being built up around the midsection. And so people 
need to understand that cortisol is on a biofeedback loop, my friends. So it will respond to your lifestyle adjustments. It will respond to your stress modifications. If you have somebody tell you that your adrenals are gone, find a new practitioner because they're on a feedback loop. Unless you got them removed, mm -hmm. you can get them back on track. Mm -hmm. uh, the last three things I'll say is when we have really severe gut dysbiosis, or issues with candida or SIBO, you do not want to be adding more food into your diet. No way. Like what, mm -hmm. there's no point to be shoving food into the system where it can't process it. So I think that mm -hmm. was also contributed to my weight gain as I've had candida overgrowth and I was trying to fix my metabolism and trying to eat more food. And I just had so much more going on under the hood. Now I understand what that was. Poor gut health can affect the thyroid function and poor thyroid function can contribute to gut issues. So it's a really vicious cycle, mm -hmm. kind of a chicken and the egg situation. And we have what you want to talk about is hor like hormone versus calorie debate. Mm -hmm. but we really will see hormone downregulation due to inflammation and oxidative stress, whether that's like from pharmaceutical interventions like birth control, which is a hot topic, or even Adderall and coming off of some of that stuff can cause issues with inflammation and water retention. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important guys, just to understand that adaptations we see from the extremes from prolonged energy restriction is going to be met metabolic and that's going to be hormonal. So you're going to see adaptations on both sides of that and why it's so important to understand what these physiological adaptations are and understand the concept of nutrition periodization, which is going to be slowly or systematically adding calories in. And when is that appropriate to do so? That's why you've got to work with a professional and someone who understands these concepts, not just sound bites off of a post or a reel. And in this closing, adaptive thermogenesis is variant, variable and transient. So it's, mm -hmm. a, it's all going to be on a feedback loop and it's all different for everybody. So it's encouraging and it's also important to understand nuance and context at the same time. Yes. Yes. It, it, I feel like this is so clearly showing that like, this is why rules don't work. <laughs> you have to understand what is working for you at this point in time. And I, I, I take this concept with almost like anything in life with my clients, like what worked for you yesterday might not work today. And I'm not just talking about nutrition, like honestly, anything like your workout routine, whatever, what worked for you last month, isn't going to work this month. I mean, it shouldn't say, is it, it might not. So that's why we can't, we cannot compare. Um, yeah. And so just touching on the hormones versus calories in calories out, you're going to see posts that are like, it's all about calories, like forget the hormones, blah, blah, blah. And then what I, what's starting to drive me nuts is people being like, calories don't matter. I'm like, like, uh, I definitely can't eat 5,000 calories a day. Like, no, like I could have like perfect hormonal health. Like I you can't say calories don't matter. It's not all hormones and it's not all calories, but really these two go hand in hand because your metabolic rate. So how many calories your body is going to utilize for energy every day, um, depends on your hormonal health as well. So yeah, if, if you don't have good hormonal health, you're probably not going to have a very upregulated metabolism and be burning that many calories. And a downregulated metabolism is probably going to indicate poor hormonal health, you know? So you can see, you can tell me what you think about this also, Megan, but I really feel like you can't blame one or the other. Um, and so saying that it's all hormones, like, and, and refusing to look at the calories that you're eating isn't helping and refusing to look at your hormonal health and only tracking calories isn't going to help either because then like you said you're only going to be using like these trackers and your metabolism is going to continue to down 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 regulate and you're going to be burning less 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 calories even though the the, tr the the calculator is saying that no you're still here right it is science is only doing the best it can so it's really important to understand that the tools that we all believe in and utilize are always adapting and improving. And that's what's kind of exciting about the nutrition and fitness and health sphere. And it's also frustrating because as you see, you know, sugar was bad and eggs were bad. I mean, from the uh, authoritative standpoint, right. And now mm -hmm. they're pivoting on that. And all of us might have our own opinions on, do we listen to the experts or not about some of these things? That's not what we're talking about. But I think that science is always changing and evolving. And there's a lot of 
interesting negative talk about calories and how it's all, um, you know, don't count calories, count chemicals is a big thing. And I think it's really important to find that balance because the law of thermodynamics is a law. It is, that's something that's not changing. And that does involve kilocalories, kcal, which is what it, so just getting down into the physiology of it, calories definitely do matter. Um, I think the problem is when we live in a soundbite culture that is just living on 90 seconds of reels, the content creators and education professionals like you and I have to oversimplify stuff to try to get it across. So I think that's why long formats like podcasts and YouTube videos are, it's really great that they're coming back because you can really address so much more. Yeah. And I think that people tend to attack things that have been taken to an extreme. So you can see this with like almost anything in society. Like look back at the Great Depression, the people who went through the Great Depression, you know, like a lot of them have a higher potential to become hoarders because they didn't have everything they needed. You know, so like you can take this with anything in life. So if you yourself have been through a trauma as an individual or like people in a society, like, oh, it's all about calories, track your calories, 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 calories. Eventually, people are going to reach a point where they're going to be like, no, calories don't matter. And it's like, hmm. Well, there's a balance to be found here. You know, like we don't want to have nothing, but we also don't want to hoard. <laughs> it's not all about calories, but that doesn't mean calories don't matter, you know? So like there's a balance to be found. So whenever you see someone taking something to an extreme, um, I would just kind of check the reliability on that. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's really well said, really well said. And in regards to, you know, in the beginning we talked about not an, about calorie tracking or food tracking because it doesn't have to be in an app. You can take photos of your meals. Mm -hmm. You can super old school, write it down with pen and paper what you ate. There's a lot of ways to self-monitor what you're eating. And in part of my series post that I will make sure to like tag you in, this one's so important, is and I've recovered from an eating disorder. And that's why I really resonated with this research is that the intention behind why we're tracking the food is so important in regards to developing negative disordered behaviors. And so when you are tracking for health performance goals, the, in this research, that was pretty well-designed study, the group that tracked for those positive benefits of tracking showed the same little to no signs as the non-tracking control group. So when you are tracking food to make sure you're eating enough protein to make sure you're going to crush your gym and your performance goals, the data shows that it's not going to be the same as when you are tracking your food to change your body or to restrict yourself. And I really mm -hmm. want us to address that because it's very important to be like, no, that can be really a dangerous behavior for me. I get that because I've recovered from an eating disorder myself, but I also didn't want to limit myself from the benefit of what using chronometer has provided for me and understanding my vitamin and mineral intake because that is what nourishment is all about. It's not just protein, carbs, and fats and knowing, wow, I'm really low in choline. Wow, I'm really low in these foods that helped me eat to nourish in a deep, informative way. And it was kind of fun. And so that was really neat to see that shift. So I really wanted to touch on that for folks that might be struggling with that is it, it, it might not be for you through and through, but keep in mind intention really can be a big shift in how mm -hmm. that tool can affect you. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I would like to take a minute to talk about muscle mass here. Do you think that's appropriate? Go for it. Okay. Okay. So this isn't for everyone. Again, I don't want to say everyone in PM does this or no one, you know, like there's always individuals who are exempt. Um, but what I have seen a lot of is people when they enter this pro metabolic space, they may have heard some misinformation like, oh, you should not lift weights. You should just, like stop exercising, like only do light stretching and walks, you know, because anything else is stressful for your body. Um, but there is not enough emphasis being put on the metabolic effects of skeletal muscle mass. And I was, I was looking through some great content, you know, like educating on like uh, the metabolism and how it works and da, 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 da. And I was like, well, I, I wondered like just how metabolic these different organs are, you know, like the thyroid, adrenals, liver, kidneys, you know, like what energy do they require? you know, and then comparing that to skeletal muscle. Um, 
And surprisingly, I, I think the liver may have potentially been um, more metabolic than skeletal muscle, but that's like, you know, think about the size of the liver and then the size that your body has the potential to grow of skeletal muscle, you know, so we cannot deny the positive metabolic effects of skeletal muscle. Like you were saying, like if you have blood sugar issues, like you need to build muscle. You need to build muscle because glucose is not only stored in your liver, it's stored in skeletal muscle. And so the more skeletal muscle you have, the more glucose you're going to be able to store and da 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 you get the idea. But what's happening is a lot of uh, women are being told, you know, just stop lifting. And for some, some women, I don't say this to scare because <laughs> we were just talking about fear tactics. <laughs> I don't say this to scare anyone, but a massive amount of women have extremely low muscle mass and this has become acceptable because it is common but this is not okay i firmly believe this isn't okay and this isn't just because i'm passionate about fitness or whatever this comes down to health this comes down to your longevity this comes down to you not falling when you get older and being stuck in a wheelchair for your whole life again i don't want to scare you but this is really so important like you need to be doing this and there's a message out there that Oh, don't lift because it's not healthy. And I, I believe the reason behind this is because there are ways to practice resistance training that can be more or less stressful. And Megan and I have a whole um, masterclass on this, which I'll link below um, about how you can approach fitness and mindset from a pro metabolic standpoint. So it, it goes through some, it, we give you guidance essentially on how to lift and build muscle in a pro metabolic way. Um, but a lot of women have come from this very extreme way and stressful way, excessively stressful, I should say, excessively stressful way of lifting weights. And um, this is what a lot of non- fitness professionals within the pro-metabolic space are taking the liberty to kind of uh, act as fitness professionals and be like, oh no, stop lifting weights. And it's like, mm, no, like you still need to, like, let's at least try to maintain your muscle mass. You know, like if you've been lifting and you have good muscle mass, wonderful. Um, depending on the person, it may be uh, healthy to scale it back you know, like apply those principles where, you know, we can lift in a less stressful way and just focus on maintenance as opposed to building, depending on your situation. But losing muscle mass is not going to support you metabolically. Um, and I believe that this also contributes to weight gain as well. And so, and it can kind of go the reverse, like people, <laughs> they'll, they'll start weightlifting and um, they'll think, oh, I need to eat so much food, so much more food to try to combat the stressful effects of this. And yes, you know, we might need to time things a little bit differently, like we, like you talked about at the outset, like kind of structuring things in a different way. Like, are you actually under eating or you just need to like eat different amounts at different times, you know, is there just a different way that we can do this? Or do you need to change your macronutrients? Um, that's not always taken into consideration. And it's like, well, let me have a big snack before and a big snack after when really your workout wasn't kind of didn't need that. It didn't require that. And so we have this idea, like weightlifting doesn't actually burn that many calories. <laughs> it really doesn't like you, you'd probably burn just as many calories, like on a walk. Or, or, or maybe just slightly under on a walk. Um, so you don't really need to eat that much more. You just need to structure things differently. Um, and this, I, I know I'm kind of like ranting on here. I'm almost done. But basically it comes down to we need to know like how much your body actually needs and at least try to maintain your muscle mass. You know, like don't go to the light walks. I mean, you, you can do those too, but like don't just do that. Like you need to at least maintain um there's just not enough emphasis being put on the importance of skeletal muscle and what's needed to support uh the workouts um actually needed yeah i think that's that, that's my rant yeah i mean meta metabolism skeletal muscle go hand in hand and so not just building the muscle and having more muscle but just simply going through the act of engaging in in the movement is going to mm -hmm. help with glucose utilization and improved uptake of the cell as well which is really really awesome exercise is so important or just movement in general is important for that mood boost too and that stress reduction so mm -hmm. it's really interesting how it got quickly demonized and i think you're right the key 
is there non-fitness professionals in the community that are not able to understand, you know, something like Orange Theory or these boot camp classes that someone mm-hmm. might have been doing four to six times a week. That is a totally different stressor than going to the gym four to five times a week with a proper strength training program. It's not nearly as stressful, especially when it's a program that's properly designed. Mm-hmm. And that's where if we were to make shifts, I just think because they don't have the knowledge, the education, the training, the certifications, they, they just don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. They're, 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 they have a good intention, but they don't understand the nuances and why Orange Theory is different compared to then uh, a CrossFit. Like I loved your post where you broke down the different types. I think there's just so much that's not understood about fitness in general. And people are just afraid to do more damage to their metabolism. And so they just put exercise in that bucket too. And I think that that's unfortunate. So yeah, our masterclass. And even if you don't want to pay for anything, our three-day live training that I've I've saved as a highlight reel on my profile, you probably have two, is Mm -hmm. all free and really good stuff. You just got to sit there and listen to it. Um, So I think the last thing we really touch on is like, your strong skill set here is the mindset and how to better yeah. approach this. Like, yeah, really give us the juicy. <laughs> so I was kind of venting to Megan about this earlier that I, I, I guess what I should say first is I fully understand the desire to lose weight. I want to lose weight, you know, but that doesn't really affect me emotionally. It's like, it's just a thing, you know, and you will probably never not want to change your body like accept that right now you're always going to want that that's going to be a part of your life it's part of the world it's part of life right now so get used to it (laughs) and realize that it's not a big deal (laughs) whoop-dee-doo I don't want to sound uncompassionate but I there's just so many other things that are more important, like things that we could actually worry about that could like, that would be a legitimate concern. And we were holding ourselves back. Like if, if this is controlling your decisions, you are holding yourself back from living your life. You are not living a full life and that is not okay with me. So I guess like, this isn't like me wanting to scare you or, or feeling angry with you, but it's more of, I want you to live your life. Your life is not full if you are letting this like decide what am I going to wear? What color am I going to wear? Oh, what what direction are the stripes going? How should I stand in this picture? You know, like, should I go to the social gathering? Like, I, I can't explain the amount of disappointment I have, not with an individual, but like how this has happened how this has come to be because it's, it's destroying lives. (laughs) It really is. And, um, when we have such an extreme desire to change our body, this is indicative of a much larger problem. It's it's indicative. It could be different for everyone, but something in our life is missing. Something in our life is missing. So as humans we all have uh we all have six basic human needs um we have i may have talked about this in other episodes i don't know but um this all shows up in the way that we treat food and our body and exercise um and at different points in life and our personality will change this but we we need uh we need levels of consistency you know we need certain things to be consistent and so it can be difficult when we see our body constantly fluctuating you know, um, but if we have other elements in life that are like extremely consistent, it might be easier to, um, to deal with a body that fluctuates a little bit more. Um, but in addition to that, we also have the need for variability, you know, so if life was like constantly the same, like we always wore the same outfit, we always wear the same thing. The weather was always the same, like (laughs) it would be really boring, you know? Um, so we need variability as well. Um, and I, I guess the thing that really, hits me the most here is um significance and um connection and love um because when someone i think about this a lot like when i see fitness influencers like standing a certain way like they're doing something for the likes for the comments um and we can do this even in our own life we'll we'll wear a certain thing we'll we'll do certain things we'll say certain things to try to get attention um because it can make us feel significant 
you know, and significance isn't a bad thing. Every human needs to feel significant for something. But if you are searching for it in that way, why don't you feel significant in another way? What's lacking, you know? So looking for that significance maybe in a more healthy way because all human needs can be filled in healthy and unhealthy ways. So significance is a major thing. And also love. You know, looking back at like, do do you really feel loved for like who you are? Like, do you know who you are? Do you love who you are? I, I was saying this the other day that I think a lot of people don't really know who they are deep down. And what we try to put ourselves like give ourselves titles. And maybe this has to do with the development of language. <laughs> I feel like I could go down a rabbit hole with this. But like we we use words for everything. But who people are doesn't have words. Like who may like Megan is Megan. Like Megan isn't, you know, Megan isn't a title. She has titles. You know, I I I have titles, but that's not who I am. I think that we can't put because even if to say like I am loving, I am caring, like I like to do these things, those are just things about me. Those are just things about you. It's not who we are. And so when we're not in touch with who we really are and where our value comes from. Um, we can try to put it in other things. So making sure like that's, I mean, that that's just a whole thing, but I'm just trying to bring out these reasons as to why someone might feel so much of a need to look a certain way. Maybe you don't feel significant. Maybe you don't, um, you don't feel love for yourself. You don't feel loved by others or you, you've been told by either by words or by, you know, uh, messaging pictures, whatever, that that is where your love would come from. Um, and what was the other thing? Connection. So it can make us feel connected. So if you grew up with like maybe your mom was always dieting, your friends are always dieting, or maybe your friends always now are dieting, and you decide to kind of shift, well, now you've lost that little bit of connection, which feels so silly, you know, to be like, that's like, and it's not that nothing else can connect to you, but now it's just another little piece less. You know, so you have all these things in common, but then you get together with your friends and they're like, oh, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing blah, blah, blah. And you're not, you know, so now you're suddenly different. Now something's suddenly changing and it can make you feel at home, especially if you've done this for so long. Your nervous system feels comfortable doing a certain thing. So it can be like, oh, my intuition is telling me to do this. And yeah, I I honestly don't know how I feel about the intuition thing. I think that intuition can really be wrong a lot of times um, because we don't know what our intuition actually is and what it has, what it's just nervous system programming because we've grown up a certain way because we've done certain things. Um, Yeah. Okay. I think I'm just going to stop there because I feel like I'm just going to keep going and it's just going to go on and on. It, I mean, it was really powerful because I think that's where coaches, content creators, we cannot fill those voids or are we properly trained in the fields to ask the right questions and help. And that's why I think having a therapist going through programs and whatever, and actually working on your own spiritual health is also really interconnected with healing. And that was it for me. When I did my bodybuilding competitions, I was seeking to be approved Mm-hmm. by them and I remember mm-hmm. I was doing my MLM my isogenics I was actually like I mean I wasn't like a six-figure earner but I was really into it and really believed in it but then when I got into bodybuilding I was so embarrassed even though they all do supplements they don't do MLM and I thought it was kind of dumb I was like why don't you get paid from your shake my point is that I remember change it was like it was so important to me it was my life but I would hide it or change it or do whatever I could when I was in my posing classes or in my bodybuilding world so I could be liked by them I was just Mm. always and that I've always been a chameleon I was really good at changing who I was to fit in with the circle I was in to be liked Mm. and so people pleasing that's a very common trend so just kind of notice a lot of these aspects are going to bleed into how you approach your nutrition and fitness. And that's why understanding mental health and your mindset are so important. And I really appreciate what all the stuff you touched on because understanding where my worth and this hole I was trying to fill, this void, it was it was all misplaced and my identity was misplaced. So once mm-hmm. I got that back on track and found it in Christ, now I'm much more rooted and grounded and have 
impeccable peace and healing that's unfolding in ways that I could never imagine. So I do think that there's a lot more to the equation than hormones and metabolic mm-hmm. adaptations in yes. general. Yes. Yes. Okay. This was such an amazing conversation. Do, is there anything that we like forgot to touch on that we want to like bring out? I just want to make sure we didn't miss anything. We had so much to cover. We did. And I think we did a really good job of touching on building on the conversations we've had in the mm-hmm. past and touching on the elephant in the room of pro-metabolic weight gain, all the many reasons that you might have mm-hmm. put on weight besides just eating too much fat and carbs at the same time, mm-hmm. which could have been the case, which is why food tracking is really important because fat should not be really more than 25 to 30% of your overall calories. And in pro-metabolic eating, it's very easy to go over 30% of your calories and fat. So it is very common to be overdoing it on fat to try and get enough protein. So the Randall cycle is something to be aware of to pay attention to, but it is getting the scapegoat title of the weight gain. I think there's a lot Mm -hmm. more going on underneath the metabolic function. And so try not to blame yourself. Mm -hmm. If you've gained weight, try not to beat yourself up and be really careful and cautious of those accounts that say that healing pounds aren't a thing. Cause I think that that is gaslighting and they don't know your story or your situation. So just pay attention to how accounts make you feel, pay attention to how posts make you feel Mm-hmm. and um, really try to do your best to support yourself navigating social media because it is a great place to learn and it can be a double-edged sword as well. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And just to kind of wrap things up, I want to make sure that I don't miss anything important to put in the show notes. So I'm going to link the masterclass, our masterclass. So I can't remember the exact title, but it has to do with approaching mindset and fitness in the pro metabolic space. Um, And again, like if you don't want to pay for that, I believe it's $37. So it's about a 90 minute thing. It comes with a little workbook, $37. If you don't want to pay for it, Megan and I have a three day series. Of course, it's not as in depth as the masterclass, but it can be a starting point for people. Um, and Megan has a highlight of it. I don't, I actually don't know if I have a highlight of it, but you can find it on our pages for sure. Um, just scroll back in the lives or real section with Megan and I, um, if you do want help putting together a workout program customized to yourself in a, um, minimally stressful way, maintaining, if not building muscle mass, um, you can contact me for personal training and or custom programming. They're essentially the same thing, um, but with different, um, um, how do I say it? Like one's more hands-on than the other. And then just wrapping things up, I mentioned this in my last episode, but I am going to be um, re-releasing my course Habit Transformation, which ties in really nicely to what Megan and I have been talking about today. Like she just mentioned it earlier, where I don't want you to feel like you have to do all of these things. It shouldn't be a stress. Life shouldn't be a stress. Life should be something wonderful and incredible, amazing. Um, And I want you to be able to, yes, live a healthy life, apply the principles, but do it in a way that works for you. Um, And also learning when and how to adapt. So I'm going to put the link for that below. I honestly can't remember because I'm recording this a little bit early. I know last week the waitlist was open and now um, I believe it might be like early bird price or something. Anyways, I'll put it in the show notes. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Please feel free to reach out to either Megan or I on Instagram if you have any questions. And also, I would love it if you left a review on here. Um, Thank you so much to anyone who already has left a review. But if you haven't, please do so. Yeah, just leave the review, screenshot it. Uh, DM it to me on Instagram and that will be valid for one week, one week from the date of posting. All right. I will talk to you guys later. I'm so glad you were able to catch this episode of Fitness Beyond Aesthetics. I hope that it helped bring more clarity to your life within the health and fitness world. And that in turn empowers you to keep moving forward. I don't believe we will ever have the answers to everything, but we can continue to learn and keep an open mind. If there's a topic you'd like to learn more about, please email me using the link in the show notes. If you'd like to explore different ways to work together, check out my website at estellecfitness.com. That's Estelle, my name, the letter C for my middle name, and the word fitness.com. If you want to get to know me better, I highly suggest following me on Instagram at 
Estelle C Fitness. I'd love it if you sent me a DM to connect, or if you just want to stalk me on there, that's fine too. Until next time, friend, have a lovely day.